In the Recovery House of Worship, we've been talking a lot about waiting, haven't we? We've been talking about the season of Christmas and how we're waiting on Jesus, waiting for Christmas. But many of us, the season of Christmas, this, this Advent season reminds us of pain and difficulty and suffering that we've experienced. In this Advent season, it seems like our, our pain is intensified, like the tears roll a little bit more, especially if you've had loss. Whenever you've had great loss, seasons like Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, they just tend to emphasize that pain a little bit more. So we asked this question a few weeks ago when we started our series called, anybody know what it is? Waiting. Yeah, while we're waiting, while we're here, while we're, exper- while we're waiting for our wonderful hope that we have in Christ Jesus, while we're waiting for Christmas, what do we do in the meantime when the tears won't stop, when the heart keeps breaking, when the soul is discouraged, when the marriage is falling apart, when the singleness feels too long, what do we do while we're waiting? Week one, we said what we do is we worship. Isn't that a good idea? We worship him. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the effector of our faith. We worship. And then what else do we do? Well, in week two, we said we trust. That we learn to trust the one who has us in his hands even during the midst of suffering. You know that none of our suffering is out of his control. None of our suffering is out of his hands. Today, well, as we look at 1 John, we're going to learn something that's not intuitive. In fact, some of you are going to push back on this. Some of you are going to, matter of fact, tell your neighbor, you're probably going to push back on this. All right, all right. Since you're all guilty of this, then. It's always a danger to get you guys talking to each other because you never know when to stop. It's awesome. All right, so what do we do while we're waiting? Today, what we're going to find out is not only do we worship Yes, fix our eyes on Jesus. And not only do we trust, yes, God has got our marriage. He's got our singleness. He's got our baby. He's got our suffering. He's got our mourning. He's got our loss. He's got it all in his hands, and he's trustworthy for that. What we learn to do while we're waiting for Christmas is this. We witness. We witness. You go, what on earth does that mean? Well, what we find out is that there's a story to tell. There's a person to speak about that's even greater than our pain, who suffered great pain even on our behalf. And we find that in witnessing for him, even in our pain, we can give hope to others. Let's look at our text. Uh, Our text is 1 John 1, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 8, and then we're going to jump to verses 19 through 28. Now, usually I don't do that. You know that. Like I, uh, I like to work through a text. I don't like to skip around in text. But we're going to do this because it makes sense within the first chapter. The first chapter of John, John is speaking of high and lofty things. He speaks of Jesus as the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then, then he it, um, reveals who the Word is in verse 14 and says, oh, man, and that Word walked among us. It was powerful. It talks about Jesus and how Jesus came from heaven to earth, lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we deserve to die, and has given us a way to have, um, to have relationship 
with God. It's amazing. So in the midst of that, John, the disciple, speaks about John, the baptizer, and tells about his role of witnessing. So um, one of our traditions here at the Recovery House of Worship is to stand at the reading of God's word. The reason that we do that is because we all need a little bit more exercise. And no, 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 no. The reason that we do that, the reason that we do that is because we want to be reminded that the words that we read are not mere opinions, are not mere thoughts, are not mere ideas. We stand in respect and reverence because what we're about to hear is God's words. And so, I'll read... um, I'll read verses 6 through 8, and then we'll all read 19 through 28. Can we do it together? Yeah? Oh, you sound so asleep. Can we do it together? All right, let's do it. All right. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light altogether. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is God's holy word. Have a seat. Let's pray. Father, what we need more is to internalize your word and deepen our love and affection for you. What we need is to see Jesus. What we need is Christmas. And so, Lord, with all the concerns and all the distractions and all the things that are entering into our minds that will prevent us from seeing you as you truly are, would you give us by your grace the faith to see you beautifully, wonderfully, high, lifted up. May you glorify yourself during this time. May you apply your gospel to any moment in our lives and every moment in our lives so that we might see you and love you and rest in you and adore you and run to you. Lord, as we are waiting, there are very, very real pains that are here represented. Lord, there are marriages 
that are hanging on by a thread, but no one else here knows it. There are bodies that are experiencing great rebellion in their, and their bodies are getting sicker by the day. There are those here whose families feel like there's nothing but difficulty and strife and singles who are desperate for someone you would bring into their life. Lord, there are those here who are struggling with mental illness who feel like they're losing ground every day. And there are others here whose finances are so bleak that they fear for where they'll be next week. Lord, for all of us that are waiting, for all of us that are waiting, we pray, O oh God, that your Holy Ghost would speak to our heart through your word, reminding us that even while we wait, we witness. That even while we wait, we worship, and that even while we wait, we trust. Help us to see that in a more beautiful and clear way. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. John the Baptist was no stranger to pain and suffering. In this text, we see John the Baptist being confronted by the religious leaders of his day. He's confronted to, and asked, who are you? And the reason that they're asking is because they've been waiting. They've been waiting. They've been waiting. It's been a long time waiting. They've been waiting for the one that has promised, the one who will save, the one who will come in and issue decrees of peace and joy into the hearts of those who have been waiting for him. They've been waiting. And they go, John, are you the one? Because you're doing some things that are peculiar to us. You're doing some things that are peculiar to the Messiah. You're doing some things. And so are you the one that we've been waiting for? And let me just say that you and I have friends and that you and I sometimes fall here. We look to things that are not Jesus and we ask them, are you the one that we've been waiting for? I know you've seen this in your own life. I know you've seen this with your own friends. Where you run to something. You go, you have a friend. You go, that, that guy's not good for you. That girl's not good for you. But you don't understand. The reason that they run to them is because that's the one they've been waiting for. It's their savior. See, everybody is waiting for a savior. This is not unique to a first century Jewish man. This is not unique to a religious group that's obscure and in somewhere in the Middle East. This is the truth of every human heart. This is the truth of every human soul. Everybody's waiting. And if you ever want to find out why you did some of the greatest mistakes, some of the greatest regrets in your life, it was because you asked this question, are you the one that I've been waiting for? <laughs> we can try to find that in the bottom of a bottle, at the end of a needle. We can try to find that at the back end of a promotion or a... a a paycheck that we, sure are, we are sure will solve everything. We can try to find it in investments that we think will pay off in the end. But in the end, every human heart asks this question. Are you the one that I've been longing for who will fix the brokenness, who will stop the pain, who will create the wholeness? Are you the one? And John, rightly, says, as we should respond, 
to our own hearts and to others who are asking. Because everybody's looking for a savior. Everybody is. There was a man sent from God who was, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. We need to come back to that in a second. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah, I'm not the one that you've been so longingly waiting for. I'm not the one. Are you the prophet? No. Are you Elijah? No. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Now, this is super key. What John does is he takes their longing for a savior. Remember what we just said. Everybody longs for a savior. He takes their longing for a savior. He sees it. And I want you to know that he answers their question. I should have said this before. He answers their question before they even ask. You notice they don't even ask, are you the Messiah? He just goes, I'm not the Messiah. <laughs> it feels like some conversations I have with my wife where she comes up to me. I say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. All right. I didn't ask anything yet. I know, I know, I know. I just feel guilty at that moment. I don't know why. He says, I'm not the Messiah. I know what you're looking for. I know what's in your heart. You're looking for what we're all looking for. We're looking for the one who make everything okay. I'm telling you, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it in your bank account. You're not going to find a savior in a lover. You're not going to find a savior in the bottom of a bottle. You're not going to find a savior anywhere else other than in Jesus. Then John takes that moment, and he does his purpose. You see what he does? Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Now, before we get into John's answer, we have to go back to John's purpose. Do you remember? We just read it. I said we were going to get back to it. It's in verse 7. He came as a witness. John came. There was, and first we have to look at 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John is sent by God, not in the same way that Jesus is sent by God. Jesus is sent by God in a unique way, and and John is doing a little play on words here, and he's going, oh, John is also sent by God, but not the way Jesus is sent by God, but he's given a purpose. He came as a what? Uh, All right, act like you're paying attention. He came as a new witness. Yes, right. He came as a witness. For what? To testify concerning the light, the light, of course, being Jesus, so that through him all might believe he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So we see in that, um, in that simple paragraph, we see John's purpose statement for life. He came to point people to the light, to be a witness, to testify to the light. Let's say that together, to be a witness, to testify to the light. Say it again. Be a witness to testify to the light. Let's do it one more time. To be a witness to testify to the light. That's what John's purpose was. And when he's asked about the source 
of security. When he's asked about where joy will come from, what the ones they've been waiting for, when he's asked who that will be, he doesn't point to himself. He doesn't accept accolades. He does what his purpose is. Now, we're going to read in a second. We've already read before, but we're going to read in a second and actually look at it a little closer. But can I pause for a second here and see if we can apply this just a little bit? When people are looking, when people are suffering, when marriages are falling around you, what do you think they're asking for when they're asking for your help? What do you think they're looking for when they're sharing their pain? What do you think they're ask, what do you think they need when they're expressing when they're when they're sharing their war story? What do you think? What do you think? You see, in the end, during this Christmas season, even as we're waiting, even as we're suffering, even as we're experiencing our own tears, we need to preach this to ourselves. We don't need a false savior. We need the only savior that saves. We need the only one that can satisfy. We need the only one who can fulfill us down to our toes. We need Jesus. But when we see others who are looking for a savior and they're only finding helpers, people to help them with their self-esteem, people to help them, things to help them with their um, negative outlook on life. When they're looking for other saviors that are not Jesus, there's a tendency, I know in my own heart, to not point them to the Savior. I don't know, are you a scaredy cat like me? Anybody else here? I get scaredy cat all the time. I've told you this story, Arhal, before. You remember this. Um, I tell it all the time because I, I tell the story over and over because it reminds me of how, how broken my heart is and how unwilling I am to do what God wants me to do. And so... I was, I was on a train. Um, this is a few years ago. I'm on the train, the L train. Oh, my gosh. Who lives by an L train? Sucks to be you. Holy cow. You guys are going to have like two or three years of no L train. Come on down to my neighborhood, the J. All right. So, um, so that was stupid. But um, so I was on the L train. I was waiting. I, was, I had a job in the city. I was taking the L train. And I got on the train. As I was walking to the middle of the train, I noticed that there was this uh, young girl. She was crying. But she wasn't just like, you know, like, she wasn't like Denzel crying with the one tear, you know, that cute kind of crying. She was sobbing. She was in deep distress. And I'm telling you, as clearly as you can, as clearly as you can hear my voice, I sensed the spirit of God. I didn't hear a voice, but I sensed the spirit of God. Say, tell her about me. Tell her about me. And I went up to her, and I told her about Jesus, and she received Christ right then and there. That's exactly what did not happen. No. Nope. I know. Yeah! Wish that was the story. Wish that was the story. I walked past her, and Jesus said, talk to her. I said, you clearly ain't talking to me. Surely, I don't know that chick. She could be crazy. I ain't talking to her. You talk to her. You go ahead. I got an L train to catch. Thank you very much. And I got on the L train, and I, posi- and I, I, and I started to do this game with God. Have you ever done this game with God? Where I said, okay, I tell you what. If she gets on the car that I'm in, if she gets on the car, I'll know it's from you. 
Because everybody knows that Satan tries to tempt you to witness. So I'm thinking it's Satan. Surely it's Satan tempting me to witness. Yeah. And so I'm there. And I go, well, if she gets in my car, and I, because, and you know, I've been on this L train more than once. I know exactly where she is. So I stand right where the other car is, right? And it happens. So, so like, this is like, let's imagine this is the in between the carts, and that's the door, and this is my door. And so I walk into the door, and she walks into it. And I guess it wasn't of Jesus. I guess Jesus didn't want me to tell her, because clearly she would have been in my cart if, in fact, because I told Jesus what he needed to do in order for me to be obedient. And so I sat, I, I went. And I, I got into the train, and this is back when it was okay to do so. It was never okay, but we all did it. When we walked in between the cars, remember when we, walk, we were all allowed to walk in between the cars? Okay, guess, guess who walks in between the cars into my car? Not three minutes. Remember, and you know the L, the L line from Bedford to First Avenue feels like 10 minutes, right? It's like forever. And I'm sitting there, and she came in, and I started to sweat. I was like, I can't believe that she's here. Well, at that point, I shared with her the gospel. She received Christ, and we started to grow in Christ. You see where this is going, right? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I stood there, and there was a really, really, how can you say this nicely? Super fat guy in, um, in, in a chair. He was like uber obese, like take two seats obese. Big, big dude, right? Don't be distracted by that. So he was super obese, and he, um, there's a little chair that, um, that opens up next to him by like a, like a nine-year-old girl, right? So I sit, squeeze myself into that chair, and I go, God, listen, if you want me to talk to her, all she has to do is sit next to me. That's all she has to do. Now, did I tell you about the obese guy and the absolutely no room we had? That girl would have had to sit on my lap in order to sit next to me. I sit there, and on 3rd Avenue, guess who gets off? (laughs) And guess who sits right next to me? Well, clearly at this point, I was stricken to the core, hearing from God so many times. I shared with her the gospel. She came to Christ, and she's growing. Matter of fact, would you stand up right now? No, she's not here. You know why? Because I didn't share with her the gospel. She stood there. She sat there crying right next to me. God had given her the hope that he, that he wanted her to know in Christ. He had given it to her through me, and I refused. I know the one you're looking for. I know the one that will heal your broken heart. I know the one who will weep with you in the midst of your pain. And even as he's walking you to glory, will take up your pain in the midst of the journey. I know the one. Union Square came and went. She got up. She left. I never saw her again. Because when people are suffering, what they need more is to know about the Messiah. And even if we find ourselves suffering, It's all the more reason for us to be reminded in the telling so that we could be encouraged to be witnesses even while we wait. I think about her a lot. 
I mean, it must have happened 16 years ago. I tell that to you because John is going to take a moment. He's going to go, they're asking him a question. They're saying, dude, we've been waiting so long. Give us something to come back to our people with. And John replied in the words, verse 23, he says this. In the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. As the musicians come up, I want to share this with you. John is called a witness. You know, you and I are called witnesses in the word of God. And I know that there's a lot of obstacles to us being a witness, especially during this Christmas season. I hope you're not like me. But the reason that John could be a witness is because God, in fact, did send his son you know what a witness is. A witness is somebody who expresses or shares what they've seen or they've experienced. That's what a witness is. And you and I, if we are in the Lord, we've had an experience with the most beautiful one in the history of the world. And there are things inside us that are not gospel that prevent us from sharing who Jesus is. Things like our reputation, our precious reputation. We say things like, well, you know, this is work, and, you know, you're not supposed to share that at work. We say things like, you know what? You don't talk about several things. You don't talk about politics, and you don't talk about religion. Now, I agree, don't, I don't want you to talk about religion. I want you to talk about Jesus. I want you to talk about the one who came to save you at a great cost. You go, but wait, if I share this on my job, if I see people who are seeking for a savior and they're going in the wrong place, if I see that and I share it with them, it might affect, what will it affect? What would it affect? It'll affect my, what, sales? What will it affect? It'll affect my uh, opportunities to uh, be promoted. What will it affect? It'll affect my reputation. They'll start thinking of me as like this Jesus freak. What will it affect? Well, well if I do that, then they're going to just start making fun of me. So it is, it's going to make, it's going to affect my environment. What will it affect? Well, it, it'll affect my job. They'll fire me. What will it affect? And when we share all of that, we go, wait. We need to come back to the first week about worship. Because it's in Christ that is our joy. Christ that is our security. Christ that is our happiness. And so we run back to Jesus and we go, Jesus, how did coming from heaven to earth affect you? Well, let's see. Foxes have holes and birds have nests but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Wait, wait, wait. Why on earth would you become homeless? Why on earth would you go from a palace to a park bench? Why would you do that? And as we meditate on that, his answer is convicting and beautiful. He did it for the person sitting in your seat. 
But wait, Jesus, you had this incredible ministry. Thousands of people were coming by. You could have monetized that position and made a ton of money as a religious instructor. No, 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 no. What I did was I gave everything away, and in the end, they were gambling for my shirt. Jesus, why on earth would you even think to do that, Jesus? Why would you do that? Oh, I did it for the person sitting in your seat. Jesus, you better keep it quiet because you know at the end of this are, are spikes and wood. This is not good. This doesn't end well. No, no, no. I'm going to keep going. Why? We need to come back to worship. And we need to do what John did, which is to reflect and look at Jesus. Remember what John said in another, I think it's John chapter 5. He goes, um, he goes, John the Baptist goes, look at the one who takes the lamb, who takes away the sins of the world. Not a bad idea for me and you to have a habit of looking at the one who not only takes away our sin, but addresses our heartache, who's with us in our waiting. What do we do while we're waiting this Christmas season? While we're waiting for Christmas, what do we do? We witness. And so listen, this week, esta semana, you're going to have an opportunity. Resurrection, let me speak to you, right? I don't know, right? So like, it's, it's uncomfortable, right? Because it's like speaking to somebody else's kids, right? It's like, you're not my kids. Michael might get mad at me. I really like him, and I want him to like me. So it's a little bit scary. Resurrection, what a beautiful thing it would be if you expressed the resurrection to the people who are dying in your communities, in your workplaces to the people who you're friends with for a long time, but would be surprised if you shared that you went to a Sunday service. So I'm going to give you very, very, very low-level ways of doing this. Recovery House of Worship, I'm going to do the same thing. You eavesdrop, too. Recovery House of Worship, let me tell you something. Don't ever let anybody shame you because of your past. You share the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ and you share it with joy because you have been saved in a deep and profound way. He has saved you and turned you. Listen to me. We're all broken. We're all broken. And we share from that broken place. And so let me give you a very, very easy way to do it, okay? Very easy way. Not a whole lot of courage, super easy. Okay. Example number one. You're at work. You punch out. You're with an, and some of you don't have like punch out jobs, but you get, apply it to yourself. You punch out, and you're walking down the stairs or taking the elevator with some friends, and in a full elevator, with a strong voice, you go, so what are you doing on Sunday? Because it's Christmas Eve. What are you doing on Sunday? It's Christmas Eve. 
Like it's un-American not to go to church on Sunday, Christmas Eve. We've got the home court advantage on this one, okay? This is not Australia. What are you doing on Sunday? No, don't talk about that. Okay, listen, I get it. I get it. I get scared too. Did you hear my story? Like I'm not the hero here. Just, all right, if you're getting scared on an elevator, just take a step back and just go, Jesus, talk to me. Talk to me about what you did. Let me worship you. Let me focus on you. Let me see you. Because, so, listen, are you going to be ridiculed? Then, then rejoice that Jesus was ridicule, ridiculed for you. Amen. Are you going to get maligned? Wow. You, get to, you mean, watch this. Let's say we're in the elevator. And we go, what are you going to do? Hey, Johnny, I'm only two feet away from you. I know. What are you going to do for Christmas? If Johnny goes, you weirdo, I can't believe you go to church. That's the craziest thing I ever heard. And you feel embarrassed and you feel ashamed in that moment. Would you just pause and you go, Jesus, is this how you felt when you stood up for me? And when you hear him say yes only a million times more, because the insults that came to Jesus were from sinners to a perfect, perfect, perfect. And when sinners insult other sinners, they're kind of right. We are weirdos. We're not, there's something not quite right with us. We get that. It's cool. So that's one way. Hey, what are you doing for Sunday? It's Christmas Eve. Can I invite you to my service? Just come with, but don't, you know, first, get, what are you doing on Sunday? Let them answer that. And then, yeah, because I was thinking maybe you can come to my house later on, but why don't I pick you up for church before that? Nobody's going to say no. Nobody. Very few. Okay, here's another level. Okay, so we got the first level of witnessing. Let's do the second level of witnessing, right? Okay, the second level of witnessing is, hey, Janice, um, I'm inventing, right? I'm inventing names. Janice, I usually use, uh, never mind, Susie, yeah, right, exactly, you know. Uh, it's funny. Hey, Janice, I'm feeling new today. Um, Janice. We've been talking about the trouble that you've been having with your husband lately in your marriage. You know, I struggle. My, my marriage is struggling, too. I'm wondering, I have, a, I have a group in my church who's praying for me. I wonder if it's okay if we started to pray for your marriage. And then maybe if every once in a while, maybe if I get a scripture that encourages me from that group, if I could share it with you. Okay. Right? Nobody die. Right? Okay. And you know what Janet's going to go? Get away from me, you freak. Because everybody who's going through pain, and any, everybody who's going through pain says that to people who are about to pray for them. I've never heard a response. I've, I've told hardcore atheists, I'm talking about hardcore, hate Jesus, don't want anything to do. Dude, you're going through a rough time. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to get my church to pray for you. I've never heard anything other than thank you. It's, it's a, okay, so that's the next level. Right? All right? Third level. Right? <laughs> you wondering where this is going, right? Okay. Third level. This is simple. You can say, hey, um, Susie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm running out of names. Hey, Susie. Um, we've been friends for a long time. And I feel like there's a portion of my life that I don't get to share with you often. 
I want to share with you um, my love for Jesus. I know that sounds weird, but would it be okay? Or, uh, Susie, I see that, um, you know, you're Muslim, you're Buddhist, you're, man, I know that's so politically incorrect to say, but whatever, you know, you're Muslim, you're Buddhist, I noticed the statue, I noticed the uh, print, I noticed whatever. Could you share with me more about that? Because as a Christian, I'd love to find out more about you. And just start talking and sharing. And then share the gospel as is appropriate. Okay, next level. The next level. You know what? To be a witness is not being weird. To be a witness is simply sharing with others. Do you think you could do what we just shared, any one of those levels? Right? Sure. Now, here's my question to you. You have seven days. You think you can do one of those in the next seven days? Okay. Absolutely. Just try. And then watch God blow you away. He won't fail you. Um, Pastor Michael's going to come up here. I want you to know that Jesus is with you and he's for you. And if you get a bunch of denials and you get rejected, even as John was rejected, and eventually you think your rejection is going to be rough, John was, John lost his head. But here's the point that I want to make to you. Here's the point that I, I want to make to you. This is big. If you do get to, if you do get rejected, you get to, you get to join Jesus in the fellowship of his suffering. So if you, get to, if you get rejected, you get to experience the joy in Christ even more. And if they receive Christ, then you get to rejoice that you grow in the family of God and that somebody celebrates it forever in Christ because of what he's done in you. My prayer is that you would experience that joy. God bless you.